Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we discuss enemies and evil. Who are our enemies? Are they evil? And what does the Bible tell us about what winning looks like? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. This is Dan. And this episode, we have a subject that, honestly, I was not super thrilled about. Only because it's just, as a Christian, one of those things that you don't really talk about a lot because you sound a bit strange. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And And it's not fear. It's just like... Don't be crazy. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, um, which is, um, we'll, you'll learn more, uh, and then we'll have a little personal preference, which is not at all related, which is weird that I found, I find myself more comfortable talking about whether or not I'd rather be Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, or Chris Helmsworth, so that's what our personal preferences come to, so... (laughs) Three spectacular choices. Yes, I'm more comfortable talking about that than our actual topic of conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we're talking about really kind of the idea of spiritual warfare. Who is your enemy in our world? Who is uh, who is the enemy? And and how do we view these things in a gospel lens as we look around the world and try to translate what's going on? Yeah, I mean, technically, what we're aiming to do here is. I think we're going to end up in spiritual warfare. Sure. But we're not going to start there. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, one of the things we're looking around at, if you look around the world, um, you know, there's a lot of ills in our society, um, in modern day America and even around the world in general. And we look at all these things, we say, well, these are pretty terrible things that are happening and we all want to do something, right? So it's like, well, we got to do something, right? Um, and we want to do something to defeat the thing that's causing these ills, right? right? And then the question then becomes, well, who or what do we need to defeat? And obviously, if you're trying to defeat something, it's kind of that thing or person is an enemy that needs to be overcome. Right. And, so, what, I've, and what I've been, when I talk to people recently, you know, more and more I'm hearing the question um, when I'm talking to somebody, we'll be talking about either a topic or maybe something that's happening in culture, politics or whatever. And and uh, we really have gotten all the way beyond saying, well, here's my partisan view, right? Or that's their partisan view. What I'm hearing now is more and more uh, where we finally get to the end, which is that's just so evil or that other side is so evil or it's not blue and red. It's not uh, progressive and conservative. Um, really what people are starting to say and maybe see is that it's more a question of good and evil and so that kind of begs the question well then what's evil yeah, no who's one, evil yeah, yeah no one wants, my, it's not my side yeah, everyone wants to be the good guy right, right. so um, but we're usually saying the other team or the other person is is evil right or the other thing is evil and here's a couple and i think there's a couple things when you look around like what are some of the the people right that are kind of being observed or identified or labeled as evil and I think there's one that most people would probably agree with. Like uh, you could say, okay, there's domestic terrorists who sh- who shoot up a, a parade, parade or a yeah. school or something like that. I mean, everyone would say, well, that's, well, not everyone, but most people would say, you know, that person is evil. Yeah. Right? How about a, a tractor trailer full of dead bodies because of human trafficking and smuggling yep. immigrants and yep. drug cartels that are at the, at the kind of at the source of all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
another one widely agreed upon, probably white supremacists or even just race baiters, bigots yeah. in, in general. Yeah. Right? Yep. And uh, it's hot in conversations around school and curriculum right now. And obviously the bill that we re- referred to in Florida. But, you know, are the gender ideologists, are they the people who are evil? As some would say, is it uh, a, a abortion doctors, right? If we can agree that women who um, are, are in a crisis pregnancy are in crisis, you know, do you focus on saying, well, they're doctors who are, who are aborting babies are the evil ones. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the, the doctors or the gender ideologists are evil, but then the other side, right? Oh, the, the pro-life people are, are, are evil or the, or the. The people who are espousing a traditional view of marriage are the evil ones, right? right. There's on both sides of those ones. Yep. Um, what about, I mean, politicians? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Any, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, there's a good one. You, I can't say his name. You can, you can, you're good at like evil people names. Yeah, Klaus Schwab. Yeah, there you can't goes. say yeah. that name. Well, I can. I just wanted you to say it. Oh, okay. Um, Klaus Schwab, right? I mean, if you know who he is, like everyone's kind of pointing his at. It's like he's the head of the World Economic Forum, and he's kind of like. If you look at him and read his name, you're like, is this like a Bond villain in real life? Or just uh, some people are calling him and this elitist world economic forum. Some people right. say they're evil, right? I often hear from social activists, you know, and, I, and when, I, when I think about the level of dishonesty in their activism, in the, in the so-called facts and truths that they're per- perpetrating on everybody, uh, them and their associated politicians, uh, it's so dishonest. There's so much lying. I, I often find myself thinking, this is so evil. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, there's actually people who call, there's Christians who call other Christian pastors evil, like yeah. and lead, church leaders who who are not, quote-unquote, confronting the yep. lies and the false doctrines and what may they be pushed back on, like, say, well, this is ultra-wokeness, or this is, yep. they would say, well, those people are literally evil. They are the wolves in sheep's clothing, right? So Literally, yeah, I've, I, I actually come across that a lot, literally apathetic or fearful pastors, yeah. right? Or even um, some would say it's the fundamentalists who are the real evil, right, right? that are making uh, that are making this world so... Uh, um, dangerous for non-traditional conf- uh, non-conformists yeah i mean yeah. and then obviously recently of uh, the overturning of roe v wade and that whole conversation is you know the supreme court justices who are in favor of that are perceived as evil clarence thomas getting a lot of um mm. specific flack for that um forcing women to give birth right. you know, some would say is evil that was what they're kind of one side was was promoting protecting men kill innocent people with their guns or right. you know again that's another supreme court decision that was come was kind of like pro second amendment um yeah and then just the idea of the constitution in general being evil like the whole right. platform of this country being right. written and executed and built on something that's evil right so yeah. that, again a lot of a lot of people are and being labeled evil <laughs> yeah not just that but there's also just <laughs> tools or things that are being labeled as evil too right is social media evil are guns Right. Evil, um, digital currency, yeah, all that stuff is. <laughs> yeah, there's these inanimate objects things that are labeled as evil. Yep, I mean, sex ed kids books, right? Like yep. those themselves are evil, and right. There's again, there's lots of things, but as we think of, we look around and we look at. There's lots of problems in our society. It's like, well, well how do you do something, and what? How do you fight back, and what do you fight back against, and what what needs defeating, right? And that enemy is it evil, right? We've we've escalated it to saying this is evil, that's evil, 
Um, but really what Jesus informs us that there's kind of like one primary enemy that is ultimately kind of defined as, as evil. Right. And that's like the adversary. Right. Um, and so, so when we think of like, um, you know, we, we got this topic because someone said, love your enemy, but also recognize that you do have an enemy, enemy right, right? And right. so Jesus identifies one enemy and one evil enemy primarily as the adversary, um, also known as Satan. <laughs> Is that how you say it? I Sat- couldn't pronounce it. Oh. Satan. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, and so again, this is the like this is like the part where if you're maybe a Christian who's listening, um, you're like, oh geez, we're talking about Satan now. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, or if you're maybe you're questioning, you're not a Christian listening, you're like, oh geez, they're gonna talk about of Satan. Of course now. they are. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course they are. Yeah. Um, so, but it is interesting to know. I mean, I we did some research on this and say, well, okay, well, like most people think, oh, we're a modern society. You've moved. We've moved past the idea that we talk about. Satan and this enemy, this evil enemy and stuff. It's like, I did some research and there's actually like the statistics do not really bear that out. Um, yeah. And it's pretty interesting. Really? Um, in that, I mean, just to get it, just to get like the, the temperature of as a specifically in the United States of what people think about when we talk about this stuff, like, like the devil and angels and stuff is that people generally have an interest in this like mystical, paranormal, metaphysical, um, whole idea. So it's not like there's a subsegment of only Christians talk about this oh, stuff. Yeah, but that's true. Um, this plays out in pop culture. I mean, the horror genre movie out of the twelve different ranks of genre movies or, or movie genres, horror is number three. And oh earnings. my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah, right behind action and then adventure no is another way. category, and horror is number three. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that explains <laughs> that explains my neighborhood yards and yeah, Halloween. Right. Yeah, it, I mean. It's five hundred and sixty million dollars a year. As people, I think, is holy moly. That's a lot. Um, so I mean, there's a, I mean, in just in the movie going business, there's some evidence of people who are interested. But then also Gallup did an actual poll, and mm-hmm. they didn't do it recently. This is kind of like two thousand seven, right? So it's fifteen mm-hmm. years old. But yeah. um, they asked people if they believed in these things, and seventy five percent of Americans, adults, believed in angels. Wow. So that's a lot. Um, and 70% said they believed in the devil, like a literal devil. Um, and these then, are adults, right? These are adults. Yeah. And so you would say, oh, okay, well, I mean, like there's some, there's gotta be discrepancies on people who believe this stuff, right? Maybe it's all the kids, right? Yeah, <laughs> all the, right. but, um, you know, there's virtually no difference in the 18 to 29, 30 to 64 wow. and 65 plus. They, there's like a 3% difference. So between generally them. Yeah. people don't grow out of that. Yeah. They don't grow out of it based oh, on their age and experience. So. Um, also there's a minimal, you'd think, okay, well, the more educated people are, the yep. la- the more they dispel these That's ancient right. myths, right? Um, well, if you have a post graduate degree, which is like the highest level, you 55% of people still believe in the wow. devil. Um, if you have a college degree, 68%. And if you have a high school degree, it's 70%. So mm-hmm. it is more it f- is. less educated, but it doesn't, I mean, the majority of people who have a postgraduate degree. And when you think of people like postgraduate, like. Those are people working at universities. Yeah. Think, you think, okay, well, they believe in the devil. Um, but clearly, in our modern era, we've got to be kind of moving beyond all that. Right? right, exactly. It'd be like, well, these are stats from 2007. Now, fit last 15 years, we I mean, they're way lower. Um, but um, in 
from 1990 to 2007, the number of people who believed in uh, in the literal devil went up by 15%. Oh, my gosh. Holy moly. That is very, to me, that's counterintuitive. Uh, sh- it's shocking. I, right? I would have guessed that with modern technology and with the information age and with the, the world's, I mean, limitless information at our fingertips that we would now feel like, all right, we're, we're beyond the the sub yeah. or the, uh, uh, what, what's it called, the paranormal yeah. mystical. Yeah, it's like we were out of the Middle Ages where everyone's right. witch hunting and stuff, and yes. now we're into that we're so enlightened and we're very... Um, you know, we're, we're very advanced, so we don't believe in that stuff, but it's, it's getting more. And, um, and so, and so that kind of gives me some, I mean, it mean, consoles me a little bit to say, okay, well it's, these are not things that people don't think about or they don't care about. Right. right. A, a majority of people are trying to think about, well, what is going on in the supernatural, in the right. spiritual, in the paranormal of this world, if, if things are beyond just the physical universe, um, and specific to, okay, well, we connect that with what's going on in the world. People yeah. are trying to figure out, well, well, what the deuce is going on? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The reason why this is kind of relevant, these two things, right? We describe the problems that that there's so much, quote-unquote, evil going on in the world or chaos and confusion, right? Things are upside down in our world, in our country, in, in, a, in a unique way, I think, recently. And then the idea that people believe in or at least for the most part they're open to the fact that there is paranormal mystical things happening and what we're trying to say is what if the what if the two of them are directly connected right, right. exactly yep and when we're when we're looking for solutions we're looking for enemies right. to defeat that's right yeah. a lot of times we're lobbying the evil enemy um at pointing the finger at each other across the aisle across yeah. the whatever the neighborhood um and what if we 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 it's not this is we're not maybe not saying this is the end all be all but this is this is definitely a part of the or a big part of the conversation that we need to consider especially as people who are christ followers and who believe in the words that jesus says because he actually does in fact mention this stuff so yeah um so the question is as we kind of lean into this it's okay well who is this the devil yeah. right what be, generally if you would ask these people i don't think they would all have the same definition of who the devil is but you know the bible doesn't leave us wondering and there's some good scholarship on saying you know so who is who is the devil um yeah. and 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 what what's he doing right? yeah we know he's a fallen angel right um according to the scripture and he has a nature and his purpose j.i packer says that satan whose nature and purpose is always to spoil any good God produces keeps pace with God in it in other words Mm -hmm. uh, what he's saying is say as God produces good things design things Mm -hmm. he produces things he does good in the world that Satan is also keeping pace with God in spoiling it Mm -hmm. and so I mean is Satan keeping pace with God is he spoiling what good that God has produced Um. You know, there's, there's, uh, it's worth diving into again in a biblical worldview and trying to figure out what we're seeing in our world. You know, what are we seeing? How can we translate? What if what we're seeing is the distortion and the destruction of the good things that God has designed for the world? Yeah. What if the primary evil in the world um, is described by? the Bible, right, as the work of the enemy, our adversary, or Satan, who is a fallen angel and, um, you know, and has some clear role, very clear, very vivid role in our world. And so, you know, 
in Ephesians, it's it's Paul deals with this directly when he was writing to the uh, the church at Ephesus, and he's write he writes a letter, and from chapters four through six, he gives us a list of responsibilities for Christian living, and surprisingly, a major segment of those responsibilities has to do with fighting against evil, hmm. uh, or the evil one or our enemy and adversary. So there is a biblical precedent and there's a biblical list that, um, and it's not the moral issues that he begins to address in chapter six, eventually very quickly extends way beyond simple questions of do what's right and reject what's wrong morally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, instead, what Paul does is he kind of thrusts the, the Christian the gospel-centered Christian, the the church, into the heart of a really a, a a larger, massive cosmic battle, in which our enemies are they're not primarily other human beings, and this is so important for this episode. They are not primarily, or I might even say, they're not even human beings, sure. but they're spiritual beings of epic, indescribable evil intent. So let, let, let me just try to imagine that. He's saying yeah, there's a, a cosmic <laughs> battle going on, right? Here's where we lose the realists and the you know the people yeah, who are like, yeah. all right, let's. Uh, but imagine that if your theology does not include that there is a that there is a cosmic battle going on, and I don't, you know, it was fun for a while to read those books, right? This present darkness, and um, but imagine that those are just kind of like hyperlinks to a greater. Um, bigger truth they help yeah. you kind of get there yeah. when i hear those things i'll be like those that idea has been so i think captured by people like marvel and like thor yes. and like the, again the new movie that came out it's like it's like it's a literally a cosmic battle of right Thanos. so it's like i think that's why cartoonish you mean yeah it just yeah it just feels like comic booky when you when you when you talk about it and stuff but again this is why we're doing it we didn't i mean we don't choose topics that we just I mean, they're important, right? As you just described, literally Paul is saying in Ephesians, this is is a big deal. Yeah. Right? And and so when you look at what Paul is describing, I don't I don't know what um, Satan's tactics are in detail. Uh, of course, other than 80s rock music. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> smoking, drinking, dancing, rated our movies. Beyond that, of course, uh, <laughs> are there other other tactics? than those that we uh, we grew up with. Um, the Apostle Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter 6, he gives us really a clear and vivid description uh, of what we're up against. And also how, as Christians, we are preparing ourselves for this fight so that we can operate in a winsome way uh, in our world and also focus on what what we're supposed to be focused on. Um, and so it all comes out of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, when he's describing here how we are to approach what we're experiencing in this world of, quote-unquote, evil. And here's how he starts, you know, and he says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And the word that he's using here is be strengthened or be made strong by God. And the phrase, in the Lord, is vital because if we don't have that word, the exhortation to be strong would be, I mean, a little bit dangerous, definitely useless in that self-reliance in a spiritual warfare is suicidal, right? Can you imagine 
like getting into the Marvel comic world by yourself. Right, yeah. And <laughs> you're literally like, all right, now I'm going to get strong. I'm going to eat more healthy. You know, I'm right. going to lift some weights. Well, you're in a cosmic universe. Right. Getting strong in yourself is, is silly. Believers in the body of Christ, they don't strengthen themselves. The strength that they need comes from the Lord. Right. And he's referring to the strength that's described in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, which is this, it's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. So there's this power that God has that raises Jesus bodily from the grave and then puts him in an ascended way in a throne, right? And that power that did that is where we get strength from God for ourselves. We're not strengthening our own selves. Yeah. Isn't there a, isn't there a story of the some of Jesus' disciples going out and trying to cast some demons out. Yeah, and yeah. And they're like, oh, we don't know. We know Jesus. We don't know you. And then they get, they get beat yeah, up and they yeah. leave because they're, the they're trying to do yeah. their and own strength, like, right? And they're like, right? And the demons are like, well, we know yeah. Paul, right? right? We know <laughs> Jesus, but uh, yeah. who are you it's guys? It's cautionary tale of self-reliance. It is, it is. So um, so how do we get this strength, this, this strengthening ourselves in the Lord? How do we do that? Well, obviously, there's multiple spiritual disciplines that kind of could serve as a pathway to experience God's power through prayer. We got fasting, uh, making sure that the biblical truth is flowing right in our bones and veins spiritually um, through getting into deeper what would be called a Bible word as fellowship or community and encouragement of other Christians, uh, learning what real adoration of God is, right? Gratitude, worship, um, submitting ourselves to uh, God as kind of creator and overseer of all of our lives, and then drawing near to God, participating and partaking in the Lord's Supper. Um, what else could we say? I mean, it, through the infilling and overflowing of the Holy Spirit, um, exercising ex spiritual gifts and participating in the body life. Bring, I mean, all that stuff just brings strength in yeah. in, in our um, relating to God. Uh, Paul also says that beyond that, put on all of God's armor. So evidently there's this armor that God has, not just for us, but that he himself is and uses. Mm. And Paul says that if you put on that armor, you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the, of the devil. So knowing this God's armor thing would be, um, obviously a big deal. So, right. And interesting, he says all the strategies of the devil. It's like exactly. very well-rounded. Read screw tape letters and just listen to like, Lewis's book. Like A lot of strategies, a lot exactly. of unique ways to do it. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah, not some of the strategies or one of the strategies, but all of them. So, uh, But there's a starting point, right? And we'll get to the really quick, I think we'll get to the mention on spiritual warfare as Paul does. But, but it's important to... In this next verse, we're in verse 12, chapter 6. Right. We're in this next verse, and it answers this question. Who is our evil enemy, right? And he starts by explaining who our enemy isn't. And if you're a, if you're a Christian listening to this and you're trying to live in a way that makes sense in the world, and as we like to say in our podcast, you're salting the earth with this transformed view, worldview, this is so important. Verse 12 says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Hmm. So we have to know who our enemy isn't. And according to uh, the book of Ephesians, God is helping us to see that we don't, our primary enemy that we're fighting, that, that, that is 
getting us all worked up and, and getting us uh, um, sensing this tension and chaos and, and you know, like we want to just draw lines and fight a battle is not flesh and blood. And Paul goes on to remind his readers here in, in the church of Ephesus that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And by flesh and blood, he means people, right, human yeah. men and human women, Paul, whatever they are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Great. A separate, yeah. separate topic. Yeah. Separate topic. So Paul's not trying to deny that we have earthly and human antagonists. He's simply reminding us that behind and beneath our daily struggles, our earthly struggles with people and institutions and policies and philosophies and politicians and activists and whatever, and ideologies, there is an unseen, this is so huge, mm -hmm. cosmic spiritual battle that's going on. Satan is lurking behind. In fact, one of the passages of Scripture says he's crouching at the door, right? You could just kind of picture that right. behind the efforts of our human enemies. So we have to know who our enemy isn't. So when we see that loathsome person on TV, or no, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. or that coworker or that right. loathsome yeah. Facebook poster or whatever. Here's what Paul is saying, and I think this is very informative if you belong to God's church and God's family. Those are that's not our enemy. The person speaking, uh, as much as you either loathe the red politicians or the blue politicians, that is right. not the enemy. Instead, he says. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not who we're fighting against, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So this is this is so vital, right? Those are those are what sound like a systemic, a systematic means by which there are spiritual beings that oversee this present age uh, and what would be considered this like uh, um, kingdom of darkness right, yeah. of sin and corruption and, and distortion and lies and counterfeits, all the things that Satan is yep. keeping pace, ruining and distorting that God has intended for good by his design and by his creative love. Right. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we, we focus as Christians a lot on human depravity and like the sinfulness of the human heart right. and how that contributes to all the injustices and all the brokenness. Um, you know, but again, that seems like an easier conversation than to talk about, well, there's actually a gigantic spiritual battle going right. on. And if we can help people, you know, get, come to faith in Jesus and then we, that'll solve the human depravity part yeah. a little bit, but it's like, there's still a cosmic, you know, <laughs> spiritual warfare exactly. going on that we didn't immediately um, address through someone's transformation of their heart. But yeah. yeah, it's a, it's hard to, it's, it's strange to look at the world that way, but I mean, it's so clearly throughout scripture. It's, it is, it is. And, and in fact, um, when we were kind of thumbing through this idea, Yon, of spiritual warfare, it occurred to me more vivid than ever. There is volumes and volumes written on what spiritual warfare yeah. is. I yeah, mean, right. It, it is, it <laughs> is. We were like, let's just, Let's do some research. Let's just get this book. And it's like, right. wait, that book's 400, 400 pages long. Exactly. We're like, okay, well, let's yeah. not read that book. And it's one in a series. Yeah. 
So, um, but the strategy, that's the question, right? How do believers, people who belong to Jesus, they're in union with Jesus by transferring their trust from themselves and their own self-reliance and and their own work to Jesus's work. How do they, how do we fight back against and how do we resist this? Yeah, what do we do? Right, right. right. I want to do something. Exactly. So this is, Paul says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Uh, by the way, time of evil meaning now, between Christ's first arrival and his return. Um, then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And then he says, stand your ground. So clearly he wants us to be immovable. He's talking about being steadfast, unshaken by the enemy's attacks, uh, so he's talking, it's kind of this military idea of holding your position, mm-hmm. you're resisting, you're refusing to surrender ground to the enemy to preserve and maintain what his truth has already been won. Now, how do you do that? He talks about this um, this this um, armor of God, and, and he says, he talks about, I won't, I'll leave the actual clothing out, and he talks about, tr- he talks about putting on truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and taking the sword of the spirit which is the mm. word of god right so that's that or the, the that is the elements of of protecting oneself to go on the offensive or i should say to go on the defensive and standing your ground holding the truth that god has already accomplished so we're going to need all of that righteousness peace faith salvation and the word of god right that's not a stretch for most active christians sure. most healthy growing believers and the focus, he says, for Christians battling evil is this. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion. And very few things have hit me as hard as this recently, Owen, hmm. that the solution for me, even as a pastor of a church and, and a shepherd of my own family and, and one who's tending this, my own soul, the solution for all of this in terms of engaging in this battle Paul says is pray in the spirit right at all times on every occasion you know what I do on all times and every occasion complain criticize throw stones you know whine and moan and complain about how someone sees it this way and this worldview has taken root and blah 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 try to explain and convert Uh, convert and yeah yep exactly exactly so it's 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 that's a hard thing to do I mean when I think of like I was like, oh, you took the fun away of, of taking all the clothing out. Because when you think of it, it's like, I'll tell you, it's like you want to be this Spartan type guy who put, who puts yeah. on a helmet and he's got a shield and a belt. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go fight yep. a fight. But it's like, it's like, okay, uh, well, what are you actually supposed to be doing? Well, just, you know, pray all the time and every yeah. occasion, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then Paul leaves us with this. And the, really it's the last thing, which again, in, in biblical literature, oftentimes the last thing is the most important thing, along with the thing that's repeated. And the last thing here is this. He says, stay alert. Mm-hmm. I've saved this. I've saved this. I imagine him, you know, as he's writing, I've saved this for last, not because it's least important, because it is the greatest uh, threat. Something threatens to undermine and subvert everything we've talked about. So, so stay alert. Pay close attention. Uh, and the idea is that from now on, at all times, and until Jesus returns, right, we're at war. So, Paul says, since we're at war, be alert, be armed, 
there's never a truce or a ceasefire. I remember talking to an old retired pastor who was telling me about how he never took a day off, right? That was a big, big thing when I was just starting in full-time ministry was, you know, if pastors work Sundays, there's a service in the morning and and then there's service at night, whatever. When do you take a day off? And I remember this this old pastor colleague of mine used to say, (laughs) he would argue that he doesn't take a day off. And that he can't take a day off, and the reason was because Satan doesn't take a day well, off. Of course, I thought yes. to myself, but but what about what, what are you, Jesus? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So uh, imagine, Jesus takes wait, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what you're uh, concerned about. While you're taking your day off, I'm pretty sure Jesus is at right, at, the, yeah. at the helm, you know. But so so Satan, I guess the the implication here by Paul is that Satan observes no Sabbath rest, takes no holidays, he has no day off that. There may be times of greater and lesser intensity, but never a time to relax or let down your spiritual guard. And I can see this in the American culture. Some of the issues with our American culture is the materialism has created a level of comfort that is really globally unprecedented. Yeah, I mean... So the apathy is just like... It's it's staggering. I mean, there's uh, Andy Crouch has a new book called... Uh, the life we want, or something oh, like yeah, that. Read but that. It, but it is like that's a, he addresses all of that stuff. Read that. It's, like, it's so he, he talks about how we're so comfortable. We have everything mm-hmm. at our fingertips. We've lost the challenge and the life changing, the transformation mm-hmm. process that goes into actually having to try and aspire to get things done. Um, but and but what it reminds me of is you know in the Marine Corps when we're deployed, you're every time you leave the wire and every time we're in a war zone. They, there was a sign that said complacency kills. Mm. And oh, the man. reason they would say that is because normally you'd think, oh, you're in a war zone, right? If you're in the States, you're like, oh, you're in the war zone. Right. I mean, you're obviously on the alert all the time, but war is like 98% boredom and 2% terror. I mean, specifically in like the counterinsurgency type of war we were fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. But, it, you know, you go on a patrol the same day, same place, all day, every day, and you're looking for, you know, little little anomalies and stuff oh, like that yeah. but but you're just you're just complacent right yep um and so complacency kills because you're not paying attention you're not alert and then suddenly you're going to step on a bomb you're going to get ambushed you're going to do something right because mm. even in a war zone yeah you realize oh this is you know my alert level is at a seven and it stays at a seven yeah and it needs to be at a nine or a ten but i'm like no nah, i mean yeah. this is my baseline now that's honestly strange. that's so good and and it makes me think of if you're a if you're a christian and you've got your nose buried in your device and your entire life is focused on building yourself a life that's bigger and better and more than you've had before and your your dream is the american dream for greater comfort more wealth increasing success and influence man you can do all of that in a in a complete coma on the battlefield right just absolutely useless living your life and being 100 completely disengaged in the real war that's happening beyond of course of course you know i say this and i think i don't mean that you don't do all those things uh or that you can't do all those things but it's so difficult to be devoted and focused on that and being alert that there's a cosmic battle between not not between good and evil but um, for control right. over the stuff of earth yeah. and the enemy is and like heart. you said working to undo all of the good things that right. god has has given exactly so and one of the things i think you know this is kind of a side note you uh, maybe even a more of a personal thing for me but one of the things that is so vital that we're alert for is one of the enemy's especially effective tactics is not to promote explicit error for christians but to put 
push Christians beyond the truth. It's, mm. it's, it's, I mean, Satan will typically fail to prevent us from the pursuit of truth. Christians are pretty devoted to biblical truth and so on. Rather, what he does is he pushes us beyond the truth into excess and fanaticism. And if you take the truth to an unbiblical and unhealthy extreme, which Satan does in the scriptures all the time when he's distorting the truth, it can be just as destructive and yeah. as a blatant error, as a blatant falsehood. And, and literally, that's where we get cults and zealots. Right. And um, so that's constantly being alert to, to taking a truth and distorting it by uh, overemphasizing it or... Um, going into excesses and yeah, fanaticism is, about it which is what he did with jesus right yep. in the temptation of jesus right totally. it's like it's it's like oh you're so you're the you're in control of everything you'll survive you'll be fine right, right? And it's like well yeah that's true but that's not the the, the point right exactly so. exactly so biblically what are satan's tactics i just want to mention some that are you know again we could do a whole series on these young but here's some off the top of my head uh distortion distorting the truth i don't think Satan generates any truths. He doesn't create any truths and all lies are counterfeits of the truth, hmm. right? Yeah. So he distorts the truth that God has, whether it's identity, uh, whether it is, um, you know, uh, creation, what have you. He entices the heart and then he uses accusation, intimidation, humiliation, shame, division, and then other very similar types of uh, assaults against believers in the mm. church. And those are biblical examples of the work that the enemy does. Um, distortion, enticing the heart, accusation, intimidation, humiliation, and shame, and division is how he does it. So so Paul leaves us with this. He says, remember, he says, pray. And then he goes back and he says, be persistent in your prayers for all mm. believers everywhere. Don't just pray once, but be persistent. And I am... I'm so deeply convicted uh, in our work on this episode, you know, to just be someone who's just so much more persistent in my prayers yeah, it's like, for all believers everywhere, right? Yeah. It's most of the time when I hear, like, senior saints, right? Mm. <laughs> they say, like, what's the thing you wish you did more? Like Tim Keller says, it's like, well, I wish I prayed more. Yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, I need to be doing that. But then I'm yeah. going to find myself... 70 years old saying, I wish I prayed more. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Just, and what more do we need, right? Yeah. Uh, one example of, of praying uh, is given by Paul, and he says, pray for all believers everywhere. And then he actually uses himself, and he says, the help for me who's been imprisoned, right? We're thinking about people who've been maybe threatened, or we're talking, right. we're thinking about the way that God's, um, God's design is now under attack for distortion and, 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 all, and all of that. Um, and so Paul is, Paul is saying, Pray for me because I just wasn't threatened by an attorney or a politician or a you know some ruler somewhere, but I actually was imprisoned and I'm imprisoned mm -hmm. now. So he says, pray for me too and ask God to give me the right words. Im imagine this. He says, pray for me for what? Not that the chains would break open, not that God would miraculously intervene, which He's done before in the New Testament, right. but pray that God, He says, would give me the right words so He could boldly explain God's mysterious plan. And by the way, the plan that He wants to describe while He's dealing with this hardship in prison is the the um, the plan of the good news for the Jews and the Gentiles. 
And he says, I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So he's still focused on gospel. He's still right. focused on being an ambassador of God. Right. He's still focused on the division and the hardship between the Jews and the Gentiles is solved mm. by gospel clarity. Mm. So he's like, you know, pray for me because I'm in prison. I still want to be bold in being gospel clear so that uh, I could speak boldly for him as I should. It's amazing that the that the final request for prayer, not the final, but the the urgent request request for prayer by Paul while he's in prison is not, hey, would you pray that God gets back at the ones who imprisoned me falsely? Right? And you remember Jesus who's praying while he's being literally crucified, and he says, God, Father, forgive these knucklehead soldiers because mm-hmm. they don't know what they're doing. Jesus knows behind the scenes is an evil one right. who is generating all of this and distorting yeah. all this. So it's it's amazing to me that Paul says, as an example of praying, pray that that the gospel is boldly proclaimed. It's boldly spoken, right. even though people are being imprisoned right. for it. And I bet and what yeah, and what is the gospel, right? Even foreshadowed way back in Genesis of the crushing of the serpent's head, right? Yeah. It's like that. The gospel is the victory over this whole exactly. enemy, this whole conversation of to wrap right back to well, how do we? What do we do when yeah. we look at the when we look at the things that are going out, right? The solution is Jesus, right? And yeah. Jesus, uh, uh, you know, applying the good news of Jesus and, and sharing people. But then also, you know, we're not going to, that doesn't mean that all of these things get solved now, but ultimately Jesus shows up and solves all the problems and yeah. conquers the enemy, our enemy, the enemy of our soul, um, has conquered the enemy of death, right? And so all of the enemies are, are, are conquered and I mean, we get to live with Jesus forever, yeah. right? Yeah, and so, that's the thing, right? We're not... We're not praying so that we win. Right. We are praying knowing that in the end, God's truth wins, right? Mm-hmm. He himself is the victor. He's triumphant. And we're kind of like, and Paul's language too is this, stand firm, right. hold your ground. Don't give up on the truth that's already, uh, has already defeated Satan and the sin in, in the grave. So that stuff is, uh, that that's so vital. So rather than cursing the philosophy, the politician, the activist, um, instead of throwing stones and, and, and raising our fist at all of these perceived enemies, mm-hmm. I think this is such a vital episode, right? What we're saying is pray, right. be alert, stand your ground, be strengthening yourself in the Lord and recognize that our battle is not against the person that we're seeing with our eyes. Right. It is against the principalities. It is all these evil layers of power that, that the enemy, the our adversary, is at work bringing distortion and hurt and right. suffering and mm-hmm. pain and so on. Yep. And I want to be a participant in the battle, not in the fake one or the phony one or the shallow one or the counterfeit one that I think we're in, which is red versus blue or, you know, uh, country versus country or... or uh, constitution versus a- abolishing the constitution folks i mean not a philosophy but the real the real battle which is not flesh and blood right yeah and that's the you know when we think of what do we do right how do you how do you i, I mean well, guess what we're not saying is we're not saying there people take this to an extreme and they see everything through this lens yes. and they're like stand outside 
the whatever the other yes. the Democrat or the Republican or they say Clarence Thomas is evil. Let's cast the devil out of Clarence right. Thomas because they're evil. Or you know, we're not saying everything is viewed and everything is like there's this is a is a a product of spiritual warfare. It's just it's an important thing that I think we don't acknowledge or talk about right. enough. And it's easy to get consumed by it. It's either to go to the extreme, get it consumed by it, and also just to not talk about it because it's like yeah embarrassing or yeah, it's weird. Yeah. You know, right. It's like it's it's yeah, the thing swing, of fiction, right? Swing to either side, right. Yeah. And there's a phrase, right? We're not suggesting you see the devil behind every rock and tree. Right. Right. But we're also saying that everything you see is not the evil one. Yep. Right. It's not the flesh and blood. Is there's something happening uh cosmically or supernaturally or or, or um and 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 you know, it sounds like by what you told us at the beginning that most people are open to the real reality, the the, the reality that there is a mystical um Yeah. What's there's mystically or or, yep. or um it's not you didn't say supernaturally, but what what's that? What's the yeah, word? There's like um par, uh, paranormal, paranormal yeah, but there's yeah. yeah there's spiritual activity. Yeah, yeah. and that's well, actually interesting because one again, I think I mentioned this guy every episode, but Tom Holland is an author that I like, and someone was asking him. He he wrote he writes about how Christianity kind of informs most of our the worldview that we're living in. Um, but they said, well, what's your solution to like engage people? And he said, he said, don't, he said, lean into the, what he called the mystical side mm. of your faith because, because it's something that, you know, if it is what you believe, you know, if you, I mean, Jesus and being God and man is a mystical, you know, mm-hmm. it's a spiritual thing. Sure. And so you got to lean into that element because if this is what you believe, then there's an appetite someone's built. We're designed to have that. No, to to engage in that, but then also culturally, it's been a part of every culture pretty yeah. much forever, um, and it's not an abnormal thing to talk about. So it's less, you know, it's less strange or off-putting than we might might think. Yeah, you know so. what's true too, Jones. In the underdeveloped world, uh, man, the spiritual realm is front and center. Yeah. I mean, it's really, in my experience, it's only the the uh, hyper civilized world that that's been kind of like marginalized. Sure, you know. Yeah. But for the most part, countries around the world uh, have always been very mystical and uh, to a fault, right? But yep. um, so hopefully we're striking a balance here where we're saying fight, but make sure you know who the enemy is and who the enemy isn't. And the weapons that you're using um, shouldn't, of course, we're saying on, on a civics level, to be a good patriot, you vote. Okay. To be a good patriot, you uh, help explain policies that are help the humanity to flourish and right. so on, right? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, what we're saying is that's not really the the battle that 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 right. is uh, that God is engaged in. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's not either or. But if you're gonna pri- if you're prioritize one, I mean, try this one, yeah. right? So that's it. So that's it. I mean, there you go. Um, put on your if you have armor, literal armor in your house. Sorry. It's probably not the best thing to wear, you know. Yeah. So, but now we get to our personal preferences section, where we'll talk about something significantly more important than every polled. Most Americans polled, ninety-nine percent had an opinion on this. That's right. It's yes. good research, you know. Um, which is not true at all. But um, the question is, who would you rather be? Is that what we're saying? Rather be, or who'd you rather be? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. 
Because there's three blockbuster summer films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. we're kind of informed by the... I mean, Tom Cruise is in Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick. Um, also, I heard the the uh, his most successful film yet. Okay, yeah. Um, is it is it Chris Hemsworth, right? That's the Hemsworth brother we're talking about? There's two of them. Oh, He's in Thor something something. Yeah. Um, and then Brad Pitt has a new movie. I think it's called like Bullet Train or something like that. But um, yeah, he's still making movies. Um, so it just on the whole, who would you prefer to have? You know, if you could maybe be one of them. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Do I have to know anything about their personal lives? I mean, you could say Tom or Cruise we, and say I'm a yeah. I'll pass on that. I'll, I'll pass on that. Um, and then of course, or maybe what movies would you have liked to have made if you're looking yeah, at their movies that they made? Which it. which actor? Yeah, if okay. you had could replace them in there any we of go. Films, there yeah. we go. That's easy to do, right? So, so what? Um, which of those men uh, on on the uh, big screen? Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's an easy one. I think I'd go with Hemsworth. Really? Yeah. You can't even name five of his movies. Thor, 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 and Thor. And then when he's Thor, <laughs> yeah. and then the other one that he's in those Marvel movies. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, but I don't. I, I could pass on being. Uh, I I do think that Brad Pitt, as he gets older, is in some interesting roles. He's had to play some interesting roles that are yeah. more reliant on his uh, on his good charismatic acting rather than his you know his mm-hmm. uh, leading uh, his heartthrob leading man role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Tom Cruise, man, I just I don't know. I don't I don't see or sense the magic with him when he's on screen it's uh i also it also doesn't help me that i know how short he is oh that's true <laughs> and i know more about his his private life as a uh almost like a mobster scientologist than yeah. than anything so i heard that someone said that on the the we have a friend who was on the um the theater roosevelt the aircraft carrier he used to be a yeah and he he said that he still has he's still in a group thread, and he said as they were sh- shooting Top Gun Maverick that they were everyone was under strict orders not to make eye contact yeah, with I Tom Cruise because that. that's what Tom Cruise requested. I've heard that. So too. that kind of I w- I would so weird. I would right? kind of choose Tom Cruise just because he he does so many cool stunts. Like I want to do yeah. all the stunts that he like he cr- climbed the Burj Khalifa, you know, and yeah, in but Mission was Impossible. he soaring through the universe? On wires on a green no, screen. Of course, universe, no, he wasn't. The universe, like Hemsworth. Yeah. No, did he f- go through the biofrost? Is that what the thing is? Yeah. yeah. See, um, but I really do like. I like Brad Pitt. I think you know he's been in some good movies. Yeah. Um. Anyways, this is this wraps up our. What's your answer? Oh, I I think I'm saying Tom Cruise. I think I really. I want to fly okay. in fighter jets. Right. I want right. to climb Burj Khalifa. I want to. I got you. you know, do all the things that he did and. The 17 Mission Impossible movies he's in. Right, and most of what you're wanting to do here, I noticed, is on Earth. I've got myself locked in in yeah. the in the extraterrestrial. I think Tom Cruise is shooting a movie Celestial. where he's about to go to outer space, I think. I'm pretty sure. Um, anyways, so uh, there you go. A completely irrelevant personal preference. If you disagree with us, let us know. Um, flood our socials. Um in, really though give us a like give us a share if you like the content and uh, let your friends and family know um, about all our different episodes I think we're in episode number 26 and uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time
Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.